So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Now from Hollywood, California... The horror capital of the world. The Boulet Brothers. Creatures of the Night. Welcome, misfits, mutants, and maladjusted miserables to a special episode of the Boulet Brothers Creatures of the Night. (laughs) That's right. It is a very special episode because we are dedicating the entire podcast to discussing the breaking news that just came out about our hit reality competition show, The Boulet Brothers Dragula. Now, for those of you who have not heard yet, allow me to bring in our co-host, Ian DeVogler, to read the press release for us all and get you caught up on the developments. Ian, darling, welcome to the show. Shudder orders fourth season of groundbreaking drag competition series, The Belay Brothers' Dragula. Casting now open for 10-episode season with $100,000 grand prize. First three critically acclaimed seasons will also be on Shudder. New York, New York, April 6th, 2021. Shudder, AMC Network's premium streaming service for horror, thriller, and the supernatural, has ordered a fourth season of the groundbreaking drag competition series, The Boulet Brothers' Dragula. The Shudder original series will debut exclusively on the streamer Day and Date in all territories, alongside the previous three critically acclaimed seasons. Created, hosted, and judged by the Boulet Brothers, the 10-episode fourth season will feature drag artists from around the world competing in challenges ranging from costume creation and makeup artistry to live performance and acting, with the winner taking home a $100,000 grand prize, the largest in the show's history. The acquisition follows a successful launch for the Shudder original, The Boulet Brothers' Dragula Resurrection, the innovative two-hour film, part horror movie, part documentary, and part reality competition, which was one of the service's most-watched premieres of 2020. Quote, Joining forces with Shudder marks the beginning of an exciting new era for The Boulet Brothers' Dragula, and season four is lining up to be the most ambitious season to date, said The Boulet Brothers. Quote, we will be featuring some of the most groundbreaking drag art in the world, and with $100,000 on the line, the competition and the challenges are going to be deadly. We are thrilled to be working with incredibly talented Belay Brothers on a new season that will be bigger, better, and more outrageous than ever, said Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager. Quote, this show brilliantly merges underground drag and horror, showcasing a diverse group of artists, and we're delighted to bring it to Shudder's members, alongside all three previous seasons. End quote. Dubbed one of the 15 best LGBTQ shows everyone needs to watch by Cosmopolitan and, quote, required horror viewing by Fangoria, the Boulet Brothers' Dragula has taken both queer and horror audiences by storm. The show's season three premiere in fall 2019 ranked number two on iTunes' reality TV chart and 11th among the most watched TV shows on iTunes that fall. All right, so this is the news that I have been talking about (laughs) for several episodes. Music to my ears. Yes, so this is what we thought we were going to be able to tell you all about maybe two episodes ago, and it's just been dragging along. Oh, it's felt like so long. (laughs) So long. But here it is, and now you have everything, all the information is out there, and this entire episode is dedicated 100% to answering all of your questions about the news. Are you ready to do this? Yes, and today we're going to go through the press release and answer any of the questions that you might have about the upcoming season, the $100,000 prize, all of it. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about casting. So if you or someone you know is interested in auditioning for season four of the show, this episode is an absolute must listen. So anyways, Ian, let's get started. So when the press release came out, it was like a flurry of information. And essentially, I gathered up all the questions that people have submitted about this press release and previous seasons and blended them together into a list of similar questions that I hope should cover everything. Great. To start things off, why the move to AMC Shutter? To start with, for those of you that don't know, Shutter is an AMC streaming channel like Netflix or Amazon or HBO Max or whatever. It's owned by AMC and it's a channel that is dedicated to horror. And I don't just mean like random horror. I mean tons of major classic horror movies and tons of new films as well. It's just basically a major library. And they also produce some of their own shows and movies as well, like the new Creep Show TV show, which is awesome. And now... Play Brothers Dragula. Yes. As many of you know, we launched our first spinoff with Shudder last year with the Boulay Brothers Dragula Resurrection, which was an exclusive Shudder original film. And spoiler alert, it did very well for them. I think it was one of the most watched premieres on their platform ever. We had such a positive experience and we knew we wanted to work with them more. When we started looking at season four, we knew there were so many ways that we wanted the show to grow and so many changes that we wanted to see happen. And, well, I can officially say they are happening. (laughs) One of the things I want to stress is all of the previous Dragula content will be living in one place. Like the entire umbrella, the entire brand all will be found on Shudder. So you can see season one, two, three, Resurrection, and sequential episodes of season four rolling out of fall this year. And not only that, it will be accessible in all English-speaking territories around the world. Let them know what that means, Drew. For the first time, because, you know, in the past, we've been on several different platforms, and that's something that's driven us crazy because we've always wanted all of our content to be on one platform and accessible to everybody worldwide, and now it finally is. I think it drove fans crazy, too, because how can you share in that? Because a lot of people like to talk about it, or they go in the chat rooms or on Reddit, and they want to spill tea and talk about details and just their favorite moments, and you always had to kind of watch for spoilers or... Where can they VPN it in this country? And all that stuff is going to be the past now. And that's one of the things about Shudder that I really appreciate and that I think made them feel like the right place for us is that they were willing to go to bat and do what they had to do to bring all of our content under one umbrella, which is so exciting. Also, yes, that does mean season one will be available on the platform as well, which we all know has been missing in action in the U.S. for quite a while. And it's the remastered version. You know, there was an original version of season one that was out there that was really just a pilot. It wasn't supposed to be a season of the show. We subsequently remastered that and added a lot of more footage to it and stuff. So that's going to be re-released. It's like a special edition cut of season one. So that'll be there as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so many exciting aspects to this move. It kind of underlines to the fact that Dragula is an international contest. Anyone from any country can submit their auditions. And we, you know, we'll get to that soon. But we're definitely encouraging you to Use your time wisely and get those audition tapes in as soon as possible. Dragula, there's only one, and we take monsters from all around the world. Yeah, and that also means that when season four starts airing, it will be airing the same date and time everywhere in the world for the first time ever, which is so exciting. God, that sounds like, oh my God, that is almost unbelievable. Do you remember dare I say the A word, but the Amazon drama of like the rollout and how much headache that caused not only us, but like everyone that loves the show. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was nothing any of us had any control of as the production company. We finish it up, we deliver it and that's where our job ends. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, we're not going to spend any time, (laughs) but that's something I do want listeners to know that the show will be coming out everywhere at the same date and time. So there won't be any spoilers anymore. You know, it'll probably be different weird hours everywhere because 9 p.m. here is different in New Zealand or whatever. But it will be the same time. So if you stay awake wherever you are, you can watch it with the rest of the world. And it's going to be episodic, so you better get those viewing parties ready. That's absolutely true. And that's something this year, if there are listeners out there or drag artists that plan on doing viewing parties, we plan to support them this time around. Um, And so, yeah, if you're interested in doing a viewing party and you actually have people that will come to it, and I'm meaning (laughs) your house or your backyard that's not a viewing party that's just you watching the show we might be able to help you out with that so speaking of support i want to underline this too about the move to shutter because they support our content like they're fans of horror they're fans of what we create and it's weird because shows exist out on super huge platforms but they don't necessarily click with the people that are in control of those platforms or the people that promote 
the different programs that live on the different platforms. But with Shutter, they have kind of stepped forward and made us feel very excited about their support and helping us just sort of expand the boundaries of the horror world. And I knew that when we started speaking with them about resurrection and the language that we spoke, it was so much easier than previous executives or networks that we spoke with. We spoke the same language. We got the same references. And I was like, this feels correct. And it just sort of felt that way. And that's important to us. You know, it doesn't matter how well your show does, and it could be on the biggest platform in the world. You might not necessarily feel like it's the right fit for you. You sure. know? Yeah. But I think this absolutely feels like the right fit. I want to say this too. The Boulay Brothers Dragula is going to be the same show that you always love, just available everywhere at the same time. You can count on it and it's just going to be a bigger, badder and deadlier bitch than you're used to. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, now that it's on Shudder, like, is the show going to change or how do you guys envision the show now that it's on this new home? I think that the show is now going to be even more Dragula than it already was. And I think you both know what I'm talking about <laughs> so because exciting. it's sort of like the gloves are off, right? Yeah. Totally. You, 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 know, you, you know what the project is. Everybody is. That's what they want. That's what they want you to do. So that's what we can do. I feel like we can really embrace. And I almost think that it'll be a fun amalgam of seasons one, two, and three mixed up into what it's going to be today. But I don't think it's going to change in any noticeable way. It'll be better. It'll be more fun. And it'll be more outrageous. That's what I think. And a a higher production value. The one thing that I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around is like, you know, as a fan of the show, obviously I work on the show, but I'm a fan. And sometimes it's hard for me to be like, well, where do I watch season one, season two? Like, this is the first time that fans are going to just be able to say, hey, I'm going to turn on Shudder and I'm going to watch all the content. Like, that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You oh, could just God. binge season one all the way through to season four. Although season four will be coming out episodically every week. It will mm-hmm. not be dumped out like one big, you know, content library. So that just means that fans could binge one through three and then each episode every week yeah. for bonus points. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should also watch Resurrection before they right. start season four. So that'll help, you know, give them some context. Yeah, I'm thinking about how annoying that can be just to kind of go on a hunt for the content that you want. I mean, we all know what that feels like, too. Sometimes it feels like I want to watch a movie. It's never on Netflix. I have to look for it on Google or whatever. But at least we know where Dragula lives now. That was one of the frustrating things is we really needed a, a permanent like forever home that could offer the show everywhere under one umbrella because it was really annoying to be like, well, I'm in this country and I can't mm-hmm. access it and I'm here and it's on Netflix here, but nothing. It's just like super frustrating. Well, it's almost like it's a gift, not only to the fans, but also to us. Like, you know, we look at what the fans say and like, we feel that frustration too. So being able to say, Hey, it's all in one place. Watch the whole thing. Tell your friends about it. Like that's, I mean, kudos to you guys and kudos to everyone. Like this is a great day to be a Dracula fan. <laughs> sure. <it laughs> Absolutely. Is. So we have tons of stuff to cover today, but I want to take this opportunity to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to move on to answering all your questions about casting and the audition process for season four of the boulet brothers dragula don't go away calling all creatures of the night Wizard World has just launched their first Wizard World signature series with an exclusive lineup of the biggest names and terrifying titles in horror. For the uninitiated, Wizard World is bringing together the biggest talent across the genre for an international 10-event streaming series available now. Featuring stars from Hollywood horror classics like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, to new visions of terror like Stephen King's It and What We Do in the Shadows. Wizard World is bringing horror fans closer to their nightmares than ever before. To purchase tickets and for more information, visit wizardworld.com. Plus, find exclusive memorabilia and interact one-on-one with series talent and influencers at wizardworldvault.com. And we are back. Ian, let's talk about casting. Uh, What's the first question you have for us? People have been asking this all day, and I just have to confirm. Is the prize really $100,000? 
Yes, the prize is really $100,000. They went right for the money, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a big jump. I think the last prize was, what, $25,000? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a, you know, huge jump. Yeah, and worth it. I mean, I think I can say this confidently, and I say it with a lot of pride. The artistry that you see on Dragula is some of the best in the world, and it's worth every penny of $100,000 for the winner to take. And I do want to say to people listening that might want to audition, um, you know, we are in a pandemic. We don't expect people to spend money that they don't have right now making some multi-million dollar super edited audition tape. You know, we don't want to see that you have money to pay an editor. That really doesn't, you know, help you get on the show anymore. We want to be able to see you and hear you and see your content clearly, but we're not looking for an edited masterpiece. So definitely don't spend money that you don't have on something like that. Same thing with outfits. You know, you can, if you're creative and you're talented, you can make everything you need for this audition tape. We can use our imaginations. We have very powerful imaginations and we use them well, but we will definitely see the star in you. Just do your best to put together the best tape you can. Get it into us because we are super excited to see them. So what sort of drag artists are you both looking for in an audition? Look, we are hosting a contest and it's a contest built on the tenets of filth, horror, and glamour. It's like a twisted drag pageant. So we're not looking for like a spooky brand representative necessarily. We just want people to have fun. We want fierce artists who can destroy the competition and take the crown and the prize and the title of Dragula. And that can look so many different ways. Yeah. You can be like any kind of drag artist. You just be creative, talented, wild, and daring. All sorts of people, all sorts of drag, rejects, misfits, monsters, killer beauty queens, whatever. The doors are wide open. That includes all gender expressions. We just want you to have a great time. Come on the show, show your art. We're going to give you a stage. We just want you to shine. And if you fail... You're going to have to pay the price. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also to remind people that you can audition from anywhere in the world. So I think we got kind of the basics of that covered. But what do you think is the most important thing that you look for in an audition tape? It's absolutely authenticity. It's that you can show yourself and be vulnerable on camera, warts and all. We want people that are imperfect that will show who they really are. Audience members can't connect to an ice queen that doesn't show you what's going on with them. You know, we know that because that's what we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's too true. Well, on the show, you know, we are the judges. So you sort of have to sit, you can't, you know, you really have to be very controlled. But we want people that will show themselves that'll be authentic and that can do that in front of camera because sometimes a camera goes on people and they shut down. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not the easiest thing to do and it's not for everybody. I think sometimes you can be like a really talented artist, but you do have to face the fact that it's a competition show. It's a reality show. And we want to know the real you. Authenticity is kind of everything. It shows the inside, gives something the audience to connect to. And if you're not good at it, I highly suggest that you practice, like get in front of a camera, try to be honest because we're going to see that authenticity or we're going to see the lack of it. Yeah. I think it's important to not try to be perfect. That authenticity is, I think, one of the most important things. But do you guys have any pointers for people auditioning, like maybe first time or? Well, I would say the most important piece of the audition tape to me is I think it's one of the last questions that asks you to go out and do something in public that's, Mm -hmm. you know, awful or mortifying or whatever. That to me is the most important piece of content because it will show me everything in one scene. It will show me if you're the type of person that's going to fake a scene and have your friends be there and do something to it because we can see through that. Mm-hmm. Or it'll show us um, that you're timid and you want to do something outrageous, but nothing that'll draw attention, which is also lame. <laughs> um, and it can show us if you're scared and you're like, you can tell you're hyped up. You're like, I'm going to do this. And then you just like, that's the most amazing. If it looks like you force yourself to do something you're uncomfortable with, then we love it. Those are some of the best moments to watch too. Like we have to look through a lot of footage on tapes and people's auditions, but seeing what people do like out in public. Oh, it's so good. Think hard before you start. Mm -hmm. Like don't just jump in. Like if you have a million ideas, try and refine them so that when we look at your drag and we look at your paperwork and we just see how you describe yourself and we see how you present yourself, those things coalesce to one idea. We want people to know who they are. Yes. That's actually another point that you reminded me of is think about what does your drag say? We don't want just generic 
people that, you know, just seem like they're any other drag artist. Like we want to look at you and get it. Oh, this is the bitch that wears red wigs uh-huh. and she jumps out of planes or whatever. Like we need some 2D almost like think like a comic book character. Like yeah, who totally. is your drag? You know, I think that's important. There's nothing sadder than seeing someone who it's like, okay, you are very obviously you're a cookie cutter example of I'm from the bitch pudding factory or I'm from the Madeline Hatter factory. It's like, you know, if that's what you want to do and that's your artistry, I guess that's fine. But we are looking for real people who it's like, I am my own monster. Within the first five seconds, you can tell like, oh, this person knows exactly who they are. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And just be, God, it's so cliche, but it's super true. Just do you like be true Mm -hmm. to who you are and what you do. Like, don't try to please us. Don't try to please producers or the casting agents. Like just come full force with who you are. We'll see it. And if the star is there, we'll recognize it. And then you'll be on the show. I do want to say, contrary to what I said a few minutes ago, if your type of dragon, the way you present yourself is very controlled and knife-like, we can be into that too. I don't mm-hmm. want to give you the wrong idea. If that's who you are, then show us that. Don't start goofing around if you're not a goofy person and things like that. Like, you, does that make sense? No, I see what you're saying now, but it contrasts to what? Like, what did you say earlier? I that? said, like, don't be uh, like a cold bitch and not show anything. Oh, okay, yeah. Unless that's who you are, because that can be good too. <laughs> no, we like her too. Someone on TikTok was like, oh, when you're, you know, not spooky enough to go on the Belay Brothers Dragula. And I'm like, you don't have to just be. Yeah, blood, spooky. We love deadly beauty queens or ridiculous comedy characters. If you're super deadly looking and you just know how to serve on a floor show, that is perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. do you? Yeah, I I really hope that we get some fierce pageant queens that are just like killers, you know, that audition this year. You love a deadly pageant bitch. I do because, uh, okay, there's, there's a couple of things. One, drag artists that do pageants, are powerful totally because pageants are hard. Yeah. Pageants are really hard. They're and regimented. You need a lot of skills. So they're very regimented. They're disciplined. And some of them can be very cutthroat because in some areas, the competition is very cutthroat. Like in Houston, for example, we've heard crazy stories and we've hung out with some pageant performers there who have done crazy things to get ahead mm-hmm. in their industry. Yeah. So oh, I yeah. would love to see some of that represented on the show. Yeah, because they would walk in the the ranks of Drakmorda's militant order, oh. <laughs> as opposed to Swanthula's swirling pool of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so, for people who are cast on the show, what what can they expect? Like, what is their experience on the show going to be like? Yeah, that's something I think you should consider before you audition for the show, because drag can be fun, but when you come on a show like this, it's work. It, you can still have a good time, but you're having a good time after filming for like 13 hours. And depending on how intense your drag is, after 13 hours of all the tape and everything that you have to do, it does not yeah. feel good. No, it, I mean, it really, truly doesn't. And there will be a time to party. There will be a time to celebrate and oh, tour yeah. and be in front of the audiences and be wild and be free and do what you want to do. But it, that is not while you're shooting the show. While you're shooting the show, it's actually difficult draining. It's mentally taxing. You're tired as hell. You're getting put through all of these different challenges. You're facing stuff that you probably try to ignore most of the time in your, you know, air quotes, real life. And we're trying to rip all of those ghosts and demons out of your closet to look at them and make you face them. Cause the whole experience is like this transformative obstacle course and we're going to put you through it and you will feel it. There's something I want to say too. And we've said this on the show before, but I don't know how many people absorb the message of what we're saying. The way that we evolved as drag performers, we came from a very different place. It's not a traditional drag space. We came up in like rock and roll, punk venues, fetish clubs, things like that. Performing in those kind of clubs and doing tours in those kind of clubs is a very different experience than being like, I got my gig at Hamburger Mary's, then I'm going to go over here and do this, and I'm going to collect my tips over here. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it's the same thing with tours, too. You know, it's like yeah. you will be performing in these crazy rock and roll clubs where there's like mosh pits and beer flying everywhere, and it's crazy. It's so much fun, and the energy is amazing, but it's like you just need to know what you're getting into if you are auditioning for this show. It's very different. I mean, I love that you said it's also transformative because I feel like if you're listening to this and you're like, "Ooh, I don't know, that sounds hard. Don't apply because it is going to be hard. But the benefits that you get out of it, like we've seen people come on this show as 
one drag character and they get spit out on the other end. And I'm like, that is a deadly fucking monster. Yeah, like yeah. it really, I mean, the show puts you through your paces and it also, I mean, not to get all like PBS special, but it teaches you lessons and it like, you know, we all have fun. It for sure does. <laughs> it truly does. I mean, it's kind of like that for us too. I oh mean, yeah. It, it's not an easy thing for us to sit through and watch hours and hours and, and hours and hours and hours <laughs> of whatever is going on while the camera is not on you. But, you know, it's a thing we all have to sit through because then the rewards are great. And that's just the truth. Well, speaking of sitting through hours and hours and hours, I feel like we have seen some incredible auditions over the years. But in your opinion, who had the best audition tape of all time? I'm going to say my favorite tape and I, and people that listen to the podcast or, you know, know much about me knows I hate questions that are like, what's mm-hmm. your favorite? Cause it's so difficult for me to answer, but I'm going to choose Abora as my favorite tape. Nice. When I watched Abora's tape, I knew that I had not seen this type of drag character before. And I was actually a little scared. It, it, not in a way that I was actually afraid of what I was seeing, but the energy that she was able to create with the way that the footage looked and the content, it was grainy and eerie out in the middle of the woods. It looked like a snuff film. I mean, she was taking risks and really speaking to me loudly and clearly about who exactly Abora was and what Abora could bring to Dragula. And it excited me and I absolutely wanted to see more. I legitimately remember when she was one of the ones that was narrowed down and we looked at all of her materials by the time it got to us. And I remember looking at you all and I was like, we can't bring this bitch here. She's going to like stab somebody or something. She's like a like, wild animal. I was like, this is amazing, but this person is insane, like legitimately insane. <laughs> you know, I thought that what we were seeing was how she was going to be. Right. And it, I was like, hers was one of the most fantastic tapes. I also think Disasterinas was oh, really yeah. well done. Disasterina did a thing where she played two characters. She played her boy self and then she played the character of Disasterina interacting in a very kind of cool, almost like sexual kind of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And Violencia too was one of my favorite audition tapes. Oh yeah. Well, I love the three that you guys brought up because I feel like to me, it gives us an idea of like, how can I make my tape stand out? And, you know, Abora's tape was structured like a found footage horror film. And when we saw Abora, it was really like handheld POV camera and it was really scary and shocking. And like you said, Disasterinas had these kind of two characters interacting. So I feel like if you're going to audition, don't be afraid to push the format a little bit. Like you don't have to just sit there and be like, hi, my name is this person X and here's my drag shit. Like have fun with it. Like show us that you're creative. Yeah, absolutely. Pull an art school, bitch. Oh, that, yeah. That's what you do when you go to art school, bitch. You, you got you to <laughs> like think outside the box. And when the, when the instructor gives you the assignment of paint a window and everybody puts their work up and there's 30 students, 28 of them are just going to paint the window of a house. But one is going to do like a set of eyes because that's the window to your soul. Or Ooh. one of them is going to do like the window of a car and have something tied up and gagged on the inside. I mean, you need to twist it and bend it and make it your own vision. I feel like Violencia's tape is definitely worth a mention. I think we've talked about this. <laughs> we, have. we have. We have. It's so okay. good. God, it is really good. I mean, that... Can we put, let's just put that out. Let's put yeah. that out. Okay, so everyone listening, uh, after this episode comes out, we're going to put out uh, the one of the best segments of Violencia's <laughs> audition video. It's her, so good. Her trip to Wendy's. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about the best audition tapes ever, but what would be like a list of things that you want to see in an audition tape? There's like a checklist. Okay, so we already talked about that we want to see your authentic self. That's super important. We've Mm -hmm. also talked about we want to see that you're willing to push the envelope and because that's that's a big part of the show, right? It's that we want you to come here and push yourself to do things that you would not normally do. Also, we want to see that you can model your looks. It is very important to be able to walk and you don't, you know, you can practice in the middle of the road or wherever you want. You know, you don't have to do it on a runway. You will when you, if you get cast on the show, but you need to show us that you can move in your costumes and model them in an interesting way. Some people, as we all know, will come on the show, make amazing looks and just stiff as a board, walk straight down the runway and walk back. And I'm like, what is that supposed to do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so while you're creating those looks, 
you better make sure that you can move in them and serve it to the camera. And and think about the fact that you'll be on a stage and when you're watching an episode of Dragula, you might think like, okay, this character exists in a void and you just have to kind of give face and hand or whatever it is that you're going to do. But the fact is, is like you might be standing on a runway that's like five feet off the ground in the dark with a smoke machine, mm-hmm. lights flashing in your face, two or three camera ops like swirling around you and many other people in the room. So you can't be shook. Like you have to know that you can do that inside and out practice because it definitely matters. And I will say part of the reason that we do that is because if you come on the show and then you come off the show and you go on tour with us or you perform at any of our events or anything, you are going to be performing on stages like that, that high off the ground with lights in your face. And you will fall off if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I, you know what Even comes if you to- do know what you're doing. You remember Bitch Pudding fell off the oh, stage yeah. at the oh, Halloween ball? That was ball so scary. At when season yeah. two's performers performed. Yeah. And Bitch was headlining that night and she came off the stage and it's so dark. There's so much smoke. And no matter how much bright tape you put around the corners, mm-hmm. if you're not careful, you will fall off. And that is a tall stage to fall off of well and i can only catch so many people i'm running around in a jock strap i mean like girl you better hope that i'm by the stage and you fall off (laughs) that happened in slow motion because her performance was electrifying and everyone was going crazy so with the backdrop of the crowd going insane i see it was like bitch no (laughs) like she her foot just missed the stage and like down she came well, speaking of a shocking, what would you rather not see in an audition tape? I do not want to see someone smoking weed in their audition <laughs> tape. I don't know <laughs> why. If if you feel like that's edgy, then this is not the right show for you. Because there's not, I mean, unless you're 13 and you live in Minnesota, it's not edgy to smoke weed. Spoiler alert, it's legal here. <laughs> it's been legal forever. <laughs> you know, another thing that's a big turn off for me is when people try to like put on a character out of drag. Mm, like they hate can't. It. Oh my hate God, it. it's so cringy. Hello, I'm Nightingale. <laughs> I'm from Ohio. I love Marilyn Manson. Okay, but don't be, that was my audition tape. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I got cast as out of drag talent. (laughs) I want to encourage everybody who wants to try out for the show because without fans and people that want to come and play our twisted little game, you know, we're essentially nothing. But I also want to say this, this is not an amateur competition search Mm -hmm. you know this isn't this is not an amateur talent search like we're looking for professional drag artists who think they have what it takes to be a monster and roll around the world with us and entertain crowds that's what we're looking for if that's you then i encourage you double to put in a tape it doesn't mean you have to be perfect or the best at everything that you know i want to be clear about that we're not looking for you to be perfect at everything you do no but but it's definitely not like hey i think i'm gonna be weird tonight i don't know where am i getting these accents from (laughs) i love that keep it going weird tonight put a little wing liner on on fishnets yeah i'm like no (laughs) no and you know what there are some people like that that literally go through the whole process we will see why dozens did you dozens and dozens of that (laughs) So if I was going to audition, you know, if I was going to do my, I'm from Ohio, my name is Nightingale. (laughs) Nightingale sounds like this. Don't forget. (laughs) Does it matter how soon Nightingale XXX gets her audition tape in? It absolutely does. Okay. Because guess what, Nightingale? When we see a piece of the puzzle that we like, we start building the puzzle. And what I mean by that is this. There's a month-long period of time where you can submit tapes. But the ones that get submitted first are the ones that we get to see first. And if we see someone or something that we like, we want to work them into the makeup of the show. So if you wait to the end, you have to imagine like how many tapes sort of like pile up and you become one of many. But if you're able to submit it on the earlier side, you start to take up some real estate in our mind. You get your face on our dream board, kind of like our cast board, and we start building the season forecast. Well, I love this idea of this like dream or like kind of war board, because if you have seen Resurrection, then you would know when Drakmorda stabs the knife into that wall, that happens for real. That is so close <laughs> to reality, and it's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, those pictures were legitimately from yeah. our war board when we were planning Resurrection. So a little inside tea inside, you know, I have a confession to make. Okay. So I already want Nightingale to be on the season. 
It's Nightingale XXX. I love Nightingale Triple X. Oh my God. She's already blocked from Instagram because she has three X's and they think she's X rated. I feel like uh, the day that you guys finally do put me in drag, if I'm not Nightingale Triple X, we have really messed it up, girl. (laughs) Wow. Ultimately, what does it mean to be on the Boulay Brothers Dragula instead of a different show? Yeah, that's something I want to talk about. Um, I want people to understand what they're getting into when they audition for this show and come on the ship because it's not the same. Every reality show you're going to go on is different. And I feel like sometimes people have expectations of what they know from other shows. Our show is original. It does not offer the same thing that other shows do, and it offers different things that other shows don't. Some shows are like game shows. You can go on the Wheel of Fortune and just you show up for a day and you win a bunch of money and that's it. You can go on other shows where you become part of their cast forever and you win other kind of things. It's like I want people to specifically understand that this is not like other talent shows. I think people come on shows and reality shows with a a set of preconceived ideas about what they're going to get and exactly how their career is going to be plotted out the Mm -hmm. day that they come off the show or the day the episode airs and you got your merch locked and loaded and ready to go and you can take all of those expectations and put them in the trash because Dragula is its own kind of monster. It's a punk show that is wild and not rooted in some of the traditions that everybody just automatically thinks of when they go on a show like this. It is specifically a drag show. Mm-hmm. Like we are literally in the process of blazing our own trail and kind of connecting different genres and creating a punk super weirdo misfit monster alternative. And you will be part of that. Part of when we made Dragula, you know, I thought about what if we what if we entered that kind of reality TV format? You know, what would I want to be? And I was like, if I want a show like Dragula, I would be so happy. I would love it. I would own it. I would know that I'm more underground and a little less known, but I would revel in that. I would be like, I am the punk princess. I am the, the queen of bitch. evil. I'm yeah. the baddest bitch. Yeah. I would step to anybody on any other reality show because I'd be like, <laughs> I would own that. And so you have to kind of have that attitude. If you come on the show, you have to be like, I'm an underdog queen and I love it or king or whatever it might be. Yes. But you know what I mean? The point mm-hmm. is still the same. Like you have to enjoy that and not be looking for a similar experience that you might get on another show because you're not going to it's not the same thing we cast people to be bosses and if you win you're like the end boss you're Mm -hmm. like you're you're a mega boss because the show is about transformation it's about taking what you kind of think you know about yourself and like the things that make you scared and the things that maybe hold you back in life and certainly hold back your artistic career and we kind of grind that out of you and by the end you come out and you are ready to step off of the platform that the show has created and given you and create whatever you want we're not going to hand you a career we're going to hand you the tools so you can make whatever you want that's the biggest distinction we're going to hand you a platform to jump off of to build your career we are not going to hand you a fully developed career because when you come on Dragula I feel like everyone comes in at different stages some people are just starting out but they're really fierce and they have attracted a lot of attention maybe they've been in the scene for a long time and they're in a rut or maybe they just don't know how to grow any further but they get challenged on the show and when they come out on the other side they're so much more powerful and I think that that's what the show is really about it's about sort of putting you through the crucible And then pulling you out on the other side, a stronger version of yourself that can go out there and just slay and blaze their own path. The transformation is so palpable and you can watch it unfold. I'm going to throw out a couple of names that come to mind, but performers like Eva and even Vander who won, Erica, almost everyone from the cast of Resurrection, like you see this transformation almost like you can imagine like a conveyor belt. Well, they're one thing when they're moving across the conveyor belt and they go through like the giant Dragula mansion. And when they come out the other side, they are magnificent, monstrous, more powerful versions of what they were when they went in. And nobody handed that experience to them. Because Mm -hmm. bitch, that's not the real life. That's not the real world. Like we're giving you a slice of reality served hot, heavy and hard for a couple of months. And at the end, the rewards are great. Yeah. If you're going to develop a career in the alternative or underground performance scene, these are the things that you need to go through and that you're going to have to deal with when you get off the show anyways. And I feel like being on the Belay Brothers Dragula, it's not like, oh, I get off the show and now I'm going to go take my gigs. I'm going to do this. Like the world is literally your oyster. Like go do whatever you want. Blaze your own path. We see these 
performers come on the show and then they get spit out. They're completely transformed. They're new. And I feel like there's like a freeing kind of experience. Dragula says, take off all the bullshit and become exactly who you've always been meant to be. I kind of want to throw it out there because I kind of take pride in it and it isn't even something that we have to try overly hard to do. It's just kind of part of who we are. We like to keep in contact with some of the performers that have been on the show, the ones who like to keep in contact with us. We advise them when they want that advice because the world is shitty. Like the world of nightlife is filled with shitty people. They don't necessarily respect people that come and entertain their crowds, the crowds that pay their bills. They don't, right. they don't mm-hmm. understand or respect you as an artist or you, you even as a queer person, you're just like, mm-hmm, bring them in, ring them up, like cha-ching, cha-ching. And that's get out. what we, I feel like we have always protected performers from as event producers, you know? And, yeah. And, because well, we, we know what it feels like to be that person and because yeah. we, we've existed in nightlife for years and years and years and years. So we're just trying to offer up our sage advice from our experience to kind of shield you from bullshit that you can avoid. I think if you're a hustler, yeah. Dragula is the right show for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Because you can really hustle. And we know, you know, who's come on the show and who excels in that sort of arena. Yeah. And that's the perfect description. I think, I think there's a temptation to look across the aisle and be like, Ooh, you know, how do I do that? I I want, I want that. But the truth is like, you could have opportunities that they can't in dark spaces or strange opportunities in music or fashion movies and videos and whatever that are like kind of dark or dark adjacent or just strange. And I'll just say artistic. I think that our Dragula house is filled with true artists. Absolutely. You just need to lean in lean Mm -hmm. into that be that that's probably what you are it's why you're on the show it's what we are it's why we created the show lean in you're here because this is where you belong Mm -hmm. and if you belong here you know it and you'll never question it you're transylvanian darling exactly (laughs) (laughs) do you need a like a story arc or a political message to be on the show like i feel like season three had a lot of you know important things to say but it was very serious like Is that how you envision moving forward? It's not a prerequisite by any means. (laughs) I mean, we're all queer freaks as it is. So let's just get that. Just being existing on TV and just being yourself is message enough. Believe me. (laughs) Each season has its own kind of energy. Each Mm -hmm. season has its own magic. Season one was very different from season two. We didn't know what exactly to expect. And right from episode one, you knew that you were dealing with a different pack of wild animals and and season three was way different than season two we thought we might know what we were going to get maybe it would look a lot like season two and that's totally different too and it comes with this when this season is created the synergy and the and the combination of artists that we put together and then the challenges and how all of those people react under stress so i don't think we're going to get like a bunch of the same thing that we saw in season three of course it's going to be its own unique thing and i kind of cannot wait to see what that is look Activism is an important part of drag, you know, and and I love season three and the characters that we had on season three. But I don't want people to think that they have to come on and be like, well, God, I need I need a cause. I need I need to make a statement because you don't come on the show, be yourself and you will naturally tell a story. You know, I think about Priscilla. Priscilla didn't have to cook up something or find something to get mad about. Priscilla just existed and had a good time on the show. And by doing that, she exposed so many people to her journey and inspired so many people without lifting a finger. Priscilla is a great example. And one of the things that I'm looking for this year is the party, Dragula, was just fun. Like at the end of the day, it was always punk and it was drag and it was just fun. Like, you know, I mean, you guys are in high glamour drag, but then there's blood flying everywhere and there's, you know, mud wrestling and just kind of like crazy wrong shit happening. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of energy that I feel like if you identify with that, or if you've ever been in a queer space and you've thought, God, I just want to fucking let loose come let loose on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I like what you said, Drac, you know, we're not looking for people to try to self-produce. We really want to get to know you as the person you become the storyline. All that stuff is just time and energy wasted on you. You should be focusing on your drag and what you're going to do to like blow us away on the stage. That's the thing. Come on the show to build a following and to build your brand and to show people who you are. And then you'll have that platform when you get off the show to use your activism and to use your voice to make change. I don't know if we have much more time for questions on this episode, but is there anything that you guys might want to say or touch on that we haven't? I feel like the only other thing I can think of is there are going to be a lot of different people watching 
your audition tapes. You don't have to be the greatest drag performer in the world, but you got to be yourself. You no, know, that has been the thing that's been said a hundred times in this episode is be yourself. Something that I love is tapes where you can just feel the entire time. Like I know exactly who this person is. Like Erica Clash's audition tape was all video game themed and it was really dark and weird and had all these Pokemon references. And when I finished watching her tape, I was like, I know exactly who Erica Clash is. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful to see that. Or even like, you know, Bitch Puddin's tape, like hers was incredible because she flexed her acting skills. She was a total nerd in it. She was just nasty and wrong. Like be yourself and don't be afraid to be yourself. And some people, I think when the camera turns on them, they're like, well, who am I? They say be myself, but I don't know who myself is. And then they start tripping themselves out and they like delete the tape, you know, (laughs) 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 whoever you are, when the camera is not on you, whoever you are, when you're around the people that you're most comfortable with, that's who you are. Just be that person. Mm -hmm. I guess if I can leave you guys with one parting sentiment it's this dragula think about it like this it's kind of like an umbrella it's an arcing coverall for like the alternative world and what that means is you if you are punk if you're a reject a misfit you just don't quite fit into the cookie cutter of what what everybody looks like around you or what everybody does around you if you're a killer beauty queen someone who's super funny but kind of dead wrong socially like these if you have bad taste any and all of these things we want you on the show Yeah, I really want to see some non-traditional drag this season. So please, if you are weird as fuck, please make an audition (laughs) tape. We want to celebrate you. Yeah, and we've talked about this before too. If you're like, I really want to be on the show, how can I do it? Well, let me start tagging everyone that's been on the show. Let me start messaging them and asking them about it. I mean, the minute you start asking the other competitors your experience is no longer authentic and we're not interested in you Mm -hmm. you know and and the truth is you can ask someone from season two what season three was like and it was a completely different experience and i can promise you season three and season four will be a completely different probably the most different experience yeah let that sink in All right. Well, I think that is all the time we have today as far as casting and our Blay Brothers Dragula news. I do want to remind everyone that if you are auditioning for the show, be sure to get your materials in as soon as possible to be considered. And the deadline is May 6th at midnight. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, since we're on the subject of super monsters, we're going to be talking about Adam Wingard's larger than life Godzilla versus Kong. See you after the break. Something wicked this way comes. Wicked Queers, Boston LGBTQ Film Festival. Featuring Amelia Moses, Bloodthirsty, and Dem Giger's Plagiarism, and a collection of horror shorts by the best and brightest of young filmmakers. Running April 8th to the 18th on Zurb TV. Find out more information in the full program at www.wickedqueer.org. Wicked Queer, Boston's LGBTQ plus film festival. Well, that's all the time we have for the Boulay Brothers Dragula news. We did save a little time here at the end to squeeze in a review of a movie that we've all been really excited to see, Godzilla vs. Kong. The film is directed by Adam Wingard. It's now in theaters breaking ticket sale records for films released during the pandemic, and it's streaming on HBO Max. Okay, so we have all been looking forward to this film, and it is finally out, and we have watched it. Yes. So, I know everyone has lots of opinions about it. Why Mm -hmm. don't we talk about the story first, the overall story of the movie? Okay, so... First of all, I just want to say this. I love monster movies. I do. I mean, I can't get enough of them. I'll go back and watch all of the old school Godzillas and everything under this entire genre. And I really enjoyed a lot of the Godzilla movies, the newer ones that have come out and sort of led up to this, even Skullfuck Island and all the ones that were starring Kong. But when they came to the story of this one, I thought it was a convoluted mess and it lost me probably five to 10 minutes in. I'm going to have to agree with you. I feel like the story, unfortunately, is the weakest part of this movie. I do want to give a slight spoiler warning because 
motherfucker, I was right. Mecha Godzilla showed up and started beating ass, and I was like, I knew it. I called it on Twitter. Mecha Godzilla was gonna come in there. But the way we got to Mecha Godzilla, I was like, okay, take me through the narrative wormhole to the center of the earth, and then the side plot with Millie. I was like, no. Yeah, the story was a no-go for me, too. And more importantly, and I don't know, I've never written a monster movie, so maybe there's some necessity that I don't see, but the human element. Right. Nobody cares. Like, <laughs> nobody cares it, about these stupid people and their problems. It's like, unfortunate because in many ways it's a necessary vehicle to mm-hmm. tell a story. But I think for the people that love monster movies and fighting and horror. I mean, that's all we want to see. We don't care about the people and their drama. I feel like the characters were very boring. They were not Mm -hmm. engaging. They did not get me to care about them because I thought about it a little after. I'm like, could you write a monster movie have these humans around, but you care about them. Yes, you actually could. Mm -hmm. But they, the the writer of this film did not, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like There is a thing that I do with movies that I love, and it's I give them free passes on certain things, and I really want to give Godzilla vs. Kong a free pass on the story because there is a world in which I think, okay, this movie desperately wants to be like a late 80s, early 90s, like Jurassic Park or kind of like, you know, action adventure. Like this whole plot with there's a podcaster and it's like a conspiracy theory and there's like, you know, this little side adventure. I'm like, okay, maybe if this was in the 80s, I would like this, but... Overall, the human element is super lacking. And it was like that for King of the Monsters. It was like that for, uh, I think it's like 2014's Godzilla. It's just, those are just the moments that get us from monster fight to monster fight. And I feel like in this movie, I was like, just please give me the condensed hour-long version where it's just fighting. But even in King of the Monsters, even though the, the human element was just kind of meh, the monster story was so epic and awesome. I was the visuals of Ghidorah and the storms and the lightning and all of that. I mean, it was so cool. Well, I feel like that's a really good point because one of the things that I thought as soon as I finished this movie was the tone. And I think the tone of this movie was very PG, very like, oh, it's accessible for kids versus King of the Monsters is really dark. I asked Swan while we were watching. I was like, what do you think? Would a studio that's trying to have a broad appeal ever let you make this movie where the little girl walked up in the beginning and was like trying to signal Kong and he just ate her? You know, I was like, just to set the tone. These are wild creatures. Mm -hmm. This is not a family friendly. Let your kid walk up and touch him on the nose like like we're at Universal Studios. You know, One of the cool things, though, about it was the diversity in the cast. I kind of noticed that maybe 20, 30 minutes in. I'm like, everyone I see here, there's like major female characters. There's representation sort of across the board, like kind of racially. And I just mm-hmm. thought that at least you can tell a crappy human story, but use all the humans and all the crayons in their box to tell the story. I mean, it's kind of like one of the only things that I can say, yeah, this is what I enjoyed about it because the diversity was absolutely there. So why don't we talk about the CGI and the monsters themselves? How did you guys feel about the way King Kong and Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla were presented and what they looked like? I mean, King Kong and Godzilla's fight in the neon super future interpretation of Tokyo was kind of awesome. I mean, it gave me what I needed when I want to see like the Titans sort of battle in a, in a city. It kind of paid I think a powerful homage to the older versions of those movies and it was pretty badass. I mean, I liked it. I want to talk about the fights at the end. What do you think about the look? The look. The looks? Yeah. You know, people say, oh, I like practical or I like CGI. Like, what did you think about the way the monsters look? As far as the looks, I was willing to accept the CGI. Like, I didn't question and say like, oh, this is poorly done or they moved mechanically because there was so much dynamic fighting. Like, I was kind of on board for that, that aspect of the ride. Yeah, I think for me, the ranking of the monsters and the CGI would be Mecha Godzilla in top like pole position, Godzilla underneath, and then King Kong in third. I remember looking and hi, I don't I don't animate CGI. I don't know how to do this. I'm just talking out of my ass. But the way that they animated the fur for King Kong, I was like, eh, I'm looking at a cartoon. Versus I think the way they did Mecha Godzilla, which is very much, you know, owes itself to kind of the Transformers movies. I was like, this is a deadly sharp machine. And just the way that it moved, it was so fluid and so cool. I was like, oh my God, I could just watch 
this monster in its own movie. Ew, no. I thought it was so cool to see <gasps> the way Kong actually moved because to me it was like the primate. And when you saw him using his brain, like the difference between him fighting in the water when he was like sort of battling Godzilla and, and it looked great. And then him on the land, even when he was fighting Mecha Godzilla, the agility and the way that all of that was kind of visually portrayed. I mean, that was carrying me. I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, get her. Also, oh, you're a Kong stan. <laughs> I mean, look, Godzilla has my heart. But when oh, yeah. I was watching Kong do his thing, it was good. Yeah. So as far as the look and the CGI, it was a problem for me. When we started the movie, and I mean, this was like the first 30 seconds, I was like, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> because I felt like, yeah, I felt like King Kong was presented more like anthropomorphic than usual, which I did not like. You know, he almost felt sort of silly. They had that silly song mm-hmm. playing and he kind of scratched his mm, butt. And I was like, yeah. please don't well, do that this. Was, that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, is this trying to be kind of 80s, 90s, you know, harken back to that time? Because if not, I agree with you. I'm like, why is she scratching her ass? I do think that Mechagodzilla looked incredible. So I'll agree with you on that. And I, I, Godzilla didn't look bad either. It was just, it was King Kong specifically, the facial expressions and everything. I just felt like it was a huge turnoff to me. Well, speaking of like facial expressions, I feel like one thing they really did, which I enjoyed, which was kind of a redesign from King of the Monsters. And this happens every time they do a new Godzilla film. Godzilla always gets, you know, she gets work done. Yes, she does. And the work they did for Godzilla on this one, I was like, oh my God, she is an actual horror monster. Like, you know, the first time we see her is this like the spotlight gets shown on her and she's under the water. And then they make that Jaws reference. I was like living. I was like, oh my God, she's so scary versus like, you know, king of the monster she's kind of she's the hero of the story and yeah. then she's like pitted as the villain of this one i was like oh my god so deadly yes queen i love my godzilla as the villain oh like yeah, she's same. much cooler to watch as like the scary element of the, of the movie maybe one last thing on the redesign for godzilla i feel like in king of the monsters he is very much he's upright you know and he kind of looks almost that like the very classic like toho like where his like origins came from he's kind of like a guy in a suit which i think really fit for that one but in this one he's almost like more of like a crocodile or kind of this like amphibious, Hmm. like kind of like a scary monster. And the way that he fights with King Kong in the city, even though they very quickly are like, ah, she wouldn't be able to use her, you know, plasma because King Kong would dodge it. I feel like she moves in this way that I was like, oh my God, she could just, you know, bite, flip and roll like a crocodile at any time and just kill her. I love Mm -hmm. that analogy. And that, that absolutely was there. The usage of the tail slapping Mm -hmm. too, like very uh, crocodilian. Oh girl, she was slapping hose left (laughs) Left and and right right with that tail. So let's talk about that. That, would be the next topic is the actual fight the monster fight right yeah. the reason yeah. we all came to the movie so yeah what did you guys think about the fights i mean the fights were great the fight is why we all came it's hard for me to even enjoy talking about it because i felt like the story look i'm involved the story brings me through the movie mm-hmm. and i think i just had a lot of problems with the story i was like wait are, am i really here for antarctica and this hollow earth concept no mm-hmm. and then like okay godzilla just blasts a hole right into the earth all of a sudden they go through this like like polarity shift of gravity where it's like this really dramatic entrance to an uncharted place on earth she just blasts a hole right down with a plasma ray and whoop, 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 let's just climb oh, out let's, like let's take it a step further and it i literally felt like they showed king kong peek his eye over the hole oh and oh there's God. God, oh there's godzilla <laughs> so in <goofy>. tokyo <laughs> let me jump in there and get her so goofy and i'm gonna go in for a minute because the, we developed this idea about this neural connection between like the operator of Mechagodzilla and the machine. Mm -hmm. And what is it built on? It's built on Ghidorah's kind of alien psionic power Mm -hmm. housed in its dead ass skull. So he's sitting in there like some kind of like dinosaur brain with like these weird electric like tubes shooting out. And like, I'm supposed to buy that. No, I'm not buying that at all. Speaking of buying things, I just want you to tell me yes or no. You don't have to go into it. Did I have you convinced, even for a second, that that little kid was going to turn into Mothra? Oh, (laughs) my God. She did say that. You know, weren't there like twins in the older? Yeah, for a second. No, I didn't. You didn't even have me for one half of a second. I I just want to say this one thing. And I'm sorry. And I know you want to jump in here. But the ultimate, the ultimate slap in my adult face (laughs) about about trying to accept this story was when Kong is laid out. Now. You, we get a 
clear Godzilla victory. They're like screaming at each other's face and he's stepping on Kong's chest and Kong's out. He just literally got his ass kicked and his heart is stopping. So they take the hollow earth machine and defibrillate <laughs> and defibrillate. <laughs> they defibrillate him and like shock him back to power. And he starts chopping people up and that's with that stupid ax. Well, I feel like, I mean, I have uh, so many things and I know Drac, your question was about the monster fight. So I'm going to, I'm going to loop her back around, yeah. but they really just were like, well, it's the greatest hits of the past two movies. Cause I was watching and I was like, now hold. They did the exact same thing to Godzilla in Atlantis that they're doing to Miss Queen Kong out here in Hong Kong, like (laughs) just popping her. I'm like, no, don't do that. Like you just did that. Yeah. Overall, I feel like the monster fights visually were great, but I did have one really big problem with it, Mm -hmm. which is the first fight that we get is 30 minutes into the movie. And it's a great fight. You know, it's the fight on the, the freighter ship. And I think it's awesome. But then the second fight, is actually like three fights all in one, but there's not any sort of like break in it. So it's like from the time that Godzilla and Kong start fighting in Hong Kong to the end of the movie, I was like, oh my God, let's go, which is a horrible way to feel. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I just, I felt like it was overly long and I realized I was like, oh, because in King of the Monsters, the pacing is, even though it sucks to be like, okay, well, like, let's get away from the fights to go talk to the humans. They have that there to let you breathe a little bit versus yeah. Godzilla versus Kong round two, round 2.5. Now Mecha Godzilla versus Godzilla. Now Mecha Godzilla versus both. I was like, oh my God, I need a break. I thought the fights were satisfying, but short. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think they lasted long enough. The boat, I, I felt like too much time was wasted on the boat fight because it was uneven, you know. What's this monkey going to do in the ocean, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's the whole question is what the hell is this monkey going to do in this whole movie? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's that's the thing, right? It, it, I really feel like if you were writing this movie, you have to figure out how to bring these characters together in a way that's fair and that you can say this is an even fight. What did not work for me is let me give him a special cave with a handprint security system that then when you go in and who built that by the way, (laughs) and then you go in and here's your magical nuclear axe. And who made that? I mean, this don't is forget just, your I'm not the statue it. and your throne, the throne. Oh room. yeah, and you go sit oh, yeah. on a throne because that's what you do when you're a monkey. It is that's wild. what you do when you're a person. You know, <laughs> never smoke weed when you're auditioning for Dragula, but definitely smoke weed if you want to write a blockbuster Godzilla versus Kong movie because they were high <laughs> as hell when they wrote that script. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, most people do not come to a movie called Godzilla versus King Kong for the writing, right? Uh-huh. They come for the monster fight, and so on that note. The monster fights were good. The CGI and the monsters were decent. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not so much King Kong, but the other ones were good. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I think I'm the only one of our triad here who's going to give Kong some love. Mm-hmm. I actually did like the way that they sort of amped up his anthropomorphic sort of characteristics. He, he was using tools. He was communicating the sign language. I mean, I really saw him as connected to the humans more than these beasts are robots and all the other plot holes aside. I mean, I kind of liked that aspect of him and it made him more formidable in my mind. Hmm. I think it's interesting. I personally, when I think about all the monsters, the Titans kind of from this universe, like I, I do look at them more as like animals. So I think him being anthropomorphized in that way, I was kind of like, Hmm, they're really going to try to make me cry. Like they're going to, they're going to let her die. And then they're going to make me cry about it. And I don't want to cry. I just want to watch Godzilla bite her shit. Like, you know, just (laughs) destroy her. You see King Kong grab this bird and rip it. And I mean, that's, what you come to expect of these monsters. That's the kind of primal beast that they're presented as. So it it doesn't make sense when they, they can have it both ways. Same thing when Godzilla defeats King Kong and doesn't give him the death blow. That makes no sense. Like, I don't, you know. That was a thing where I was like, okay, it's the big red herring of the movie, which is how much humanity do they actually have? Which I'm glad they didn't do what they did in King of the Monsters, which was the real monsters are humans. I was like, okay, thanks. We avoided that. But it's like, yeah, it's like, so, okay. Is Godzilla like bloodthirsty crocodile monster or does he have enough, you know, like cognition to say, okay, well I kicked your ass twice. So now I'm going to go 
like I don't know. It just didn't really. But if that's the case, why are they ripping other people in half? That's that's the thing I, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's like if you yeah. showed that consistently, sure. But it's like, oh well, if you fight a character that we're not going to make a toy of, let's just. Uh, <laughs> I think it. they were. They, <laughs> the story was kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth. Like in the one, I, I think that the thing that got Godzilla riled up the whole time was actually Mecha Godzilla, uh-huh. and then messing with those big energy signatures. And as soon as they got activated, even for five minutes, she sw- started swimming across the ocean and heading directly toward Hong Kong, not to fight King Kong, to fight Mechagodzilla. But then at the same time, they try to establish this ancient rivalry between Kong and Godzilla and that they're kind of like mortal enemies. They're each other's nemesis. Uh-huh. And, and you kind of can't have both. It, you, you know, one part of it's going to not really work. Well, on that note, this is Nightingale Triple X, and that's all the time we have for this episode of Dread Central's Boulet Brothers Creatures of the Night. For those of you that have been following along with our book review section, we will be reading and reviewing the last third of Brian Lumley's Necrosco. So make sure you finish the book up if you have not yet. Till next time, uglies. The Boulet Brothers Creatures of the Night is a Dread Central production. Hosted by the Boulet Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.